Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. Well, you must have been here before because you've all moved from the front row back. Hmm. I have to pick up the pulpit. You gave me a small one so I can just kind of do this sort of thing. Let's clear out a few chairs. Good to be with you this morning. Uh, as, as Shane said, my name is Chris, my wife Cheryl, and uh, we love being with you guys. have been friends with Boogie for years, had the privilege of ministering together, and uh, so he hit me up uh, a couple weeks ago and just asked would I come and share on some things, and I consider it a great privilege, and I'm very, very thankful to be here with you guys. Um, it's good to be back. It's good to always come to the beach and see such a view. My son just stood there with his mouth open. I went, Dad, we need to go to the beach. I said, yes, son. Yes, we do. Right now, let's go to church. But um, it is a joy to be here with you. And the subject Boogie asked me to speak on is obviously near and dear to my heart. Um, I think if you ask me any Sunday, I would hope it would be true. Ask me what I'm preaching on. It'll always be about Jesus. Because, friends, that's why we gather. We don't gather for church. We don't gather for religion, I hope. We don't gather just to hang out with each other, and that's not a bad thing. We gather for Him, because He's the one that's brought us together. You look around, everybody here is different in some way or another, and the only way all of us would come together is through Jesus. It's got to be divine, because we're all oddballs, and we're all oddballs of a different group, but only He could bring us together, and it just reflects His goodness. And um, let me just pray before we open up and jump in. Lord, thank You for this incredible time. Thank You for the privilege of worshiping You. The privilege of lifting up Your name. The privilege of declaring how great is our God. Lord, thank You, Jesus, for the price You paid on the cross for us. Even as we sing that song of the blood You shed, God, we just take this time to reflect that that blood was shed for us. That that blood was shed for us, the undeserving. That that blood washes away my sin. That that blood heals my sicknesses. That that blood secures my eternity. And you did it for us. Lord, we just stand in awe of you this morning. And Lord, as we open your word, as we share on how do we draw closer to you, I pray by your spirit, have your way. Draw us to you. Speak to us out of your word. Speak to each of us where we're at so that each of us will move forward and be transformed today by your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, if you would. Verse 19. Boogie asked me to just come and share a little bit on my journey of spending time with God, spending time with Jesus, time in prayer, time alone. And it's funny because right off the top, I thought, oh yeah, yeah, I got this one. But anytime, and I think anytime we get crazy enough to think we've got it, God reminds us that no, we don't. And he just reminded me of the journey that we've had drawing close to him. And so this morning I want to launch us out of the Scriptures and keep us founded in Scripture. But I do want to share a little bit of the journey God's brought me on, as Boogie asked, to the place of of enjoying a relationship with the God we serve. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. And in the book of Hebrews, they just talked about all that Jesus has done. And it says, therefore, because of what we just said, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain 
That is His body, Jesus' body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for He who promised is faithful. What does that all mean? Well, simply... Sorry, I tend to be loud. You may want to turn the microphone down because I'll probably get louder. But simply, friends, it means we, the unworthy, through the blood of Jesus, through His sacrifice, through the salvation He's given us, have the privilege of not only being able to come, but being called to come into the presence of God. He says, come with confidence. Not in what you can do, not in your religion, not in your church attendance, but in what Jesus has done through His sacrifice on the cross. It says His blood which makes us clean. Some of us, we, we do the church thing. We go to church. But we lose sight of the fact that it's not our going to church and our works that makes us right before God. It's Jesus that makes us right before God. And therefore, we go to church because we come together with God's people to worship and celebrate Him. And when it comes down to our relationship with God, friends, it's not on a Sunday morning when the church gathers that He's drawing us to come. He wants us to come then in our togetherness. But it's every single day, every moment, everything that you face, every hour, every millisecond, we are called to come with confidence in the fact that Jesus' sacrifice was enough and that we are able to come into the presence of the living God and sit in His presence and cry out, Abba, Father, my Father, and know that He hears us and know that He listens and know that He welcomes us. Friends, there is no other religion on the face of the earth that has a God like our God because first of all, there is no other God. But we need to realize how privileged we are that we serve a God that loves us as we sang about this morning. And as John 3.16 reminds us, he says, for God so loved us, the world, that He gave His only Son, His most precious, precious Son, to die on a cross for us that if we would believe in Him, we wouldn't perish but we would have eternal life. Then he goes on and he says, He didn't send His Son to condemn us, but to save us. Why am I staying on this so long? Because friends, salvation is not church. Salvation is not reading your Bible. Salvation is not giving. It's not going through the motions of religion. Jesus says eternal life is this, that you would know God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And so I think before we can take a journey into how do we get closer to Him, we need to first of all ask ourselves, do we know Him? Just because we go to church doesn't mean we know Jesus. Just because we do the religious things doesn't mean we have a deep relationship with Him. And this morning, I believe through the songs, through His presence, He wants to draw all of us closer to Him. That if you've never known Jesus, maybe you've done the church thing, but you've not known Him. This morning, as it says in His Word, He's bidding you to come. Not because you've got it all together, but because He's paid the price. And through Him, you're made right with God. If you've never known Him, this morning is that time to come home. And maybe you've gotten to a habit of walking through religion. You, you kind of came to Christ and things were exciting at the beginning, but somewhere along the way you lost your way. 
And church has become this thing you do to make yourself feel better, but there's no reality to it. And this morning as we talk about drawing close to Him, friends, draw close. Not because you've earned it, but because He has paid the price. And if this morning you've got a solid, incredible relationship with Him and and you thrive and you reflect Him and people can see that you've been with Him, then good for you and go deeper and go deeper and go deeper because you will never know all that there is to know about this vast God. That's the joy we have on this journey. No matter how much time you spend with Him, you'll never know everything about Him. You with me? Some of you are. Some of you are thinking. That's good. For me, this journey with Christ has been everything my whole life long that I've longed for. To give you a background just because I think it'll help, I was raised by two parents that had come out of multiple marriages with kids. They had me, their love child of the 60s. And um, about three years old, my dad left, went off to be with his next fling. My mom and I, we, we bounced around a little bit, and my mom was, is still, at least at this point, very lost. I think she's on her fifth or sixth marriage. But at seven years old, she had moved us around. She moved us up to, uh, to Manhattan, to New York City. And when we were up there, she fell in love with a married man, so she thought. And so she picked us up and moved us into New Jersey. And at seven, she rented an apartment over a deli, and she left me there to go live with her boyfriend. So at seven years old, what little I knew of love, what little I knew of family was gone. And so for, for a matter of about probably six or seven months, I lived by myself. Went to school because what else do you do at that age? It's where the kids are. I lived above a deli, and my, my aunt would come out once in a while to make sure there was food in the house, and I'd cook and learn how to I mean. You didn't cook much at that age, but you cook what you could. And my mom bounced back and forth into my life over the few years after that. And my mom was a musician. She worked at churches often because they paid the bills. Matter of fact, in Manhattan at times, we slept in the basement of churches just because we didn't have enough money to stay anywhere else. And so for me, I saw a lot of the behind the scenes of church. I sang in church choirs, but I wasn't a Christian. And I saw often, I would see a pastor who would, he would prepare his message and he'd get out and, and before the meeting, he would be screaming at his secretary and cussing at somebody. And then he'd go out and he'd put on his robes and come out and present himself as this pretentious, God-faring man to lead all these people into God. And for me, growing up around that and and not understanding what real love was, I didn't want anything to do with church because what I had seen at church, I didn't believe. But I knew there was a God. I just had no idea who He was, what He looked like, but I knew He was there. And so for me, growing up, again, uh, my mom back and forth, most of the time out of my life, putting me in apartments in different places, uh, staying with friends, staying with family, By the time I was 15, just trying to figure out life, I was riding a motorcycle, growing my hair long, selling drugs, doing everything I could to try and figure out why I was here. Again, I'm sorry to be long in it. I'm just trying to help you have an understanding of the journey. Got into heavy into those things. My mom recognized I was going down fast, pulled me out of that situation, put me in a different private school that was... Uh, school for athletes, and it helped in many ways to pull me out of things, but also helped to pull me into other things. 
and finished up high school, actually did well academically, ended up coming out to California because when you grow up on the East Coast, there's a dream to come to California. Especially hanging around with bikers, I wanted to, I wanted to join the Hells Angels, I wanted to ride a Harley, I wanted to, to be out here, easy rider, the whole thing you read in a magazine, and um, the whole dream, as it were. So I came out here and I went to Whittier College, doesn't sound like much of a biker thing, but again, you're talking about a mixed up guy. They offered scholarships, and, uh, you know, as far as I knew, my mom had always pumped when she was around college, 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 so I came. Went to Whittier College, managed to meet the dean quite often, um, started our own fraternity, all of those crazy, foolish things that you're trying to, again, figure out your way. Was in college for a couple years and started running a, a health club, a family fitness, which is now 24-hour fitness. Ran that for a while, and then my my friend, my now wife, came to work for me, and she was a little good little Catholic girl, and I, as I always say, I was raised by wolves. So in dating her for a couple years unsaved, obviously it wasn't the greatest choices that were made, and but she went to Catholic church fairly often, and I found myself going because, again, I wanted something of God. But, again, that to me even more was all the trappings. They were speaking in Latin. People would line up and do these things. And I had it timed. I would get out of work. I would come right when they were lining up for communion, jump right in the line, get my stuff. I knew all the little things you were supposed to do. And then I'd go right out the side door, splash a little water, and wait in the car, not realizing, obviously, I was breaking all the rules. But my hunger for God remained. And God, through His grace, brought a man in to work for me who was an ex-Hells Angel. And uh, his dad started the Hells Angels. His dad's Sonny. And uh, he sat with me with scars all over his face. And I looked at this guy and thought, wow, this guy has been through it. But his eyes melted me. And he came and he said, you know, God told me to come here and, and work for you. To which I said, hmm, that's nice. And I said, do you know that the job you're applying for only pays six bucks an hour? He said, yeah, God will take care of me. To which I thought, this guy's either crazy, and now I'm curious. Let's see what happens. So he proceeded to work for me, and over those period of time, I watched him, and we were, he involved us in his life, and he was married with three kids. I watched the way he handled his wife and his kids, and having no real parenting, it was curious to me to watch a man who came from such a violent background be incredibly gentle, but incredibly strong. And I asked him questions constantly. And over a period of a summer, he just kept ministering, kept loving on us. And one day he said, you know what? You have more questions than I have answers. Why don't you come to church with me? And so that year, that, that August, I said, you know what, Jack? If it's a bunch of people like you, I'm there. Because I've been to church, and I don't want anything to do with church. So we went that Sunday morning. And I don't really remember what the preacher was preaching about. I do remember he was passionate I remember seeing the people up front dancing around with white outfits and swirly things, and the only reflection I had was Woodstock, so I thought, well, all right. But I read the words, and I watched what they did, and to me it all added, it made sense. You're talking about this Jesus that saved you, this God that loves you, and you're dancing unto Him. That makes sense. I'm not into it, but I get it. And so at the end of the meeting, the guy gave the call to come up. He said, you know, he had us take hands, and said, if your heart is beating outside of your chest, which mine was inexplicably, God's got a hold of you. And he did. And he said, if that's you, and you've responded to Jesus, I want you to come up front. Well, we're in a place where there's nothing but pews, not chairs, so you can't move them. 
and everybody's got their eyes closed, and I had protected ourselves in the end, near the back, right in the middle, nice and safe spot. But I needed to get up there. I knew that. I needed to come to the front. So I grabbed my Catholic girlfriend by the hand, got up onto the pews and dragged her across the pews, not realizing, once again, breaking the rules. You don't walk on pews, that sort of thing. And got to the front as quickly as I could and bowed before Christ in front of hundreds of people and gave my life to Jesus. Because you see, for me, He was what I was always looking for. He was the answer to the questions of my life. What does that have to do with my personal journey with Him? Well, we have to come to the place to have a true relationship with Christ, that we realize how much we need Him, that we realize that it's not God and, it's God, and that's it. Because in order to have a deep and real relationship with Jesus, He will not do a part-time relationship. He won't go out on a date with us while we look at everyone else. He wants us. He died for us. You with me? Now, my journey, I can't say I woke up that next morning and I prayed for hours. I didn't. I didn't know what, what I was doing. I didn't know how to do this thing. And God thankfully surrounded me with men and women who loved God, who had given their lives to Him, who were radical for Him. And may I, may I add in there, I know at times I'm passionate and loud, but friends, I don't know any other way to be about a God who saved me because I didn't deserve it. I deserved just the opposite. I was a wretch. You name the list of things you've done wrong, I'm sure they're checked off on mine a few times. I was not good. I was not nice. I was not born Christian. I was an idiot running around trying to make things count. I drank. I partied. I beat people up. I chased women. I did all the stupid things that I wish I could change. And only by His grace do I stand here. So for me to not be radical about Him would not to be real, be real about Him. And in order for us to have a real relationship with Jesus, friends, we need to come to that place where nothing else will do. If church for you has just been church, if it's just coming and doing your thing, you're missing the greatest part of this faith, which is a relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship restored with God through the sacrifice He gave upon the cross. Because you see, God made us for relationship. God made us for fellowship with Him and with each other. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. He had given them everything. And He came, it says, God came in the cool of the day to speak and to meet with Adam and Eve, to speak with them, to walk with them, to fellowship with them. And when He came, He found that they had sinned. They had broken the rules that He had laid out for them for their own good. Not just because God has a list of rules, but because God knows what's best for us. And because of that sin, because of those choices, we had to be eternally separated from God because it wasn't a temporary rule we broke. It was the eternal God who told us what to do for our best. And when we broke those laws, we were separated through eternity, not just temporarily. And friends, that fellowship that God made us for was forever taken away because all the sacrifices and all the things of the Old Testament, all of our efforts could never pay the price for an eternal law broken. But Jesus, Jesus came not so we could go to church, not so we could be religious, not so we could just feel better about ourselves, though we should. He came to save wretches like us and to make us able to stand before God as if we had never sinned and sit in the lap of the Father and say, Father, I need you. 
Because the quality of our relationship with Jesus, with God, will determine the quality of everything else in our lives. You want to have a good marriage, and I hate to say it this way because I don't want it to be a here, do this, and get this. But I want you to understand, if you want a marriage that is amazing, yes, spend time with your wife, but make sure you spend more time with God than with anyone else. You want to be a good husband? Spend time with the husband, the bridegroom, Jesus. You want to be a good parent? Spend time with the one who created and knit every single one of us together in our mother's womb, God. You want to be good with finances, good with work, good with people? Spend time with God. Spend time speaking. Spend time listening. Spend time in His presence. For me, it began with, I know I need to pray and I know I need to read. So I'd I'd get up in the morning for work and I'd, I'd give myself 15 minutes. And I'd get my Bible and get it all propped up, my bowl of cereal in front of it. And as my cereal softened, I would pray. I didn't know what to pray. I'd just pray, God, thank you for today. Please forgive me for my sins. God, help me not to be as much of a knucklehead as I was yesterday. God, help me to be a good husband. Help me to be a good man. Help me to be a blessing. And bless this food. And God, help me to understand what in the world I'm reading. And then I would read as I ate. And at first I would read just a couple paragraphs because I'd have to read it three or four times because I wasn't getting it. But you know, through that time, through those periods of months of just doing that, God began to show Himself to me. He began to draw me to Him. Because though in the sense of being very religious, I wasn't setting aside chunks of time. I was setting aside time because I wanted Him. And friends, if you will give God those times, those moments, you will make Him that priority. He will draw you close to Him. If we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. So I want to encourage you. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you get up every day or you spend every night and you spend some time with God. But if you don't, do. If you don't, do. And every ounce you give God, He will give you back a pound of His grace, of His presence, of His direction. And I found myself over that time just growing. I realized, you know what, I, I, I want to read this. And the Bible says, I found it in there, it says that faith comes through hearing the Word of God. And I realized, you know what, I don't want to read while I'm eating because if I talk, read, and eat, it's going to be messy. So I put aside my cereal and I got up a little bit earlier and I sat on the couch and I read out loud the Scripture. Because I wanted to read it to get it here, but I wanted to hear it because the Bible told me it, it stirred faith. And I found that God began to show me more, and He began to build a hunger in me for the Bible, for His Word. And friends, if you don't read the Bible, you're, you're missing out on God giving us an incredible description of Himself, exampling, drawing us to Him, showing us His, his incredible majesty and power and, and, and love for His people. If you don't have a Bible, get one. If you can't afford one, I'll buy you one. But get one that you can read and understand and spend time in it. Because He's given it to us as a gift to show us and unfold this relationship with Him. And I found myself in that realizing, you know, I need to pray more because I want to pray for these people and I want to pray for these things at work. So I realized I need to put a little bit more time aside because there's a lot to pray for. And you find when you begin to pray for things, there's always more to pray for. And why do people spend hours? How do people spend hours praying? Well, if you honestly sit there and go down the list of what's needed to be prayed for, you would be there nonstop for weeks, and then start all over again. And thankfully, God knows we don't have that endurance. He knows that we have to work and there are other responsibilities we have. But God honors the time we spend with Him. Pray. 
And praying is not, oh, Father, please love me. You don't have to be voice inflection. It doesn't have to be in Old English. It doesn't have to be fancy. Jesus spoke the, the terms of that day. You don't have to get a oh, King James out and repeat after me. And it doesn't have to be. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. It wasn't the Lord's prayer. It was the disciples' prayer. And he was teaching them, pray like this. Pray around these things. Father, God, Abba, Father, who's in heaven, that you hear me in heaven and I'm here on earth. Hallowed be your name. Praise God. Spend time praising him. God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And God, I have no idea what your will is for me, so God, show me and help me and guide me. And I pray into the things around me, and my nation's falling apart. So Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done in America. Lord, let heaven break in upon earth, because God, we need healing power, and we need your presence, and we need lost people to be saved, and we need broken marriages to be restored. And God, give us today our daily bread, which is God, give me what I need. Not more than I need so I get distracted from you and not less than I need so I start to worry, but give me what I need today to do what I'm called to do, to be who I'm called to be. I pray that for my wife. I pray that for my boys. Lord, forgive me for my sins because, God, I am a sinner. No matter how good I try and be, no matter how much better I did today than yesterday, just now I sin in my mind, in my thoughts, in my actions. And God, not only forgive me, but lead me from sin. Lead me from the things the enemy would have. As a man, God, lead me away from the visual things that the world bombards me with. Lead me away from anyone who would try and draw me away from my wife or draw me away from you. God, deliver us from evil. You with me? Jesus taught us to pray along these things. So you can begin by praying what's written there, but let it be your heart. What I love about our God, friends, is He's a personal God. He's not wanting us all to be robotic. And if your leaders here teach you to pray, and I know that they do, you don't have to pray just like them. You don't have to pray just like me. You have to pray like you, with Him, because He knows you. He came for you, and He came for me. The wonderful thing about our God is He's big enough and broad enough that He's not trying to make us all the same. He's taking all of us in our differences and bringing us together to reflect His incredible glory. So in your prayer time, don't feel like it has to be cookie cutter. Let it come from your heart. My God, help me. And I've had days where I've prayed through my list and I felt like, God, forgive me, I've treated you like Santa Claus. But I feel His grace saying, my boy, you brought to me the things that are on your heart. And then there'll be other days I get before him and I feel like I can't pray anything. Just, oh God. And I just sit in his presence. Because it's in that place I find everything that I need to do everything he's called me to do. And friends, I urge you, put time aside for his word. Put time aside for prayer. Put time aside in your prayer to listen to his voice. Friends, God speaks today. He doesn't, go into, he doesn't go against the Word. He's not going to say something other than what's in the Bible. But He will bring things that will either confirm things in us, they will guide us, they will direct us. One of the key things that God showed me when I first got saved is I grew up, again, as I said, without family. And being an athlete and enjoying sports, my freshman year in high school, and again, I was back in an apartment, and I had friends that we walked 
you know, that story of you walk a couple miles uphills both ways in the snow. Well, I did walk a couple miles uphill one way, but, and there was no snow. But I loved playing football. And I went out there and gave it everything I had. And you know, when you grow up like that, you, you just deal with the fact that there's no one there. You deal with the fact that either you encourage yourself or you don't get encouraged. And one of the things about those games, this always hits me. One of the things about those football games is I remember my friends and I, we'd grab our gear, and the two other buddies of mine, who they, their parents were at home, but they were working, and so we'd walk home together each time. As I would watch the families that would, that would cheer, the, you know, the little sisters and brothers that would cheer on their boys that came off the field, and the family would go out for pizza or whatever I dreamed that they did. And for me, it was always that long walk home. I put my gear and eat and, and sleep. And what God showed me in my time with him was he showed me him on the sidelines, cheering me on. Not just standing there, but jumping up and down and cheering me on. Saying, well done, boy, well done. And when I got done with the games, he showed me me walking off the field and him putting his arm around me and getting me home safe. Because, you see, I didn't know him then, and I certainly didn't deserve him. But he was with me because he created me, because he loves me, and because he was desperate for me to come to know him. And friends, I want to encourage you, open your ears and your heart to hear God because he will speak to you in the things that you need to hear. He will speak to you in the places where you are broken because God's desire is not to just bring you into relationship. His desire is to make you whole. And that wholeness happens with him in his presence in those quiet places in those quiet times. I know my time has run by. Let me give you these just a couple things to finish. One of the key ways for me, and everyone's different, so please don't make this prescriptive, but take a hold of what applies to you. One of the keys for me is, is worship, praise. I, I, I sang my whole life. I played piano. I'm a musician at heart. I love music. And one of the bands at the time, as I got saved, was Delirious. And I think I just liked the name a lot, too. But they played some incredible songs. There was just such an anointing on that band at that time. And then it, I felt the anointing move to Third Day as they came out with Agnus Day. But friends, I found myself sitting on my couch, turning on those songs and just singing at the top of my voice to God. And whether you're a singer or not, whether, you know, you don't want anybody else to hear you, you have an audience of one with God. Make time to turn on a song that glorifies God and turn your attention toward Him. In that place of praise and worship, God inhabits our praises. I found breakthroughs and strength. I found times I was on my face before God. It's in those times that I wept and He set me free and He healed me. In our culture, for some reason, we run from the singing because either we're too prideful or too afraid or we don't understand. Friends, you need time to praise Him because He's worthy and because when you praise Him, He comes. I encourage you in your corporate times, get here as I did last time. Get here early. Let it be easy for the team because you're already worshiping that they just lead you forward. Don't miss the opportunity to praise Him. 
But I want to encourage you at home, in your car, on your own time, make time for Him in worship and praise. It is a place God created music. The devil has tried to hijack it, but God created it. And it is made to draw us into those deep, wonderful places with Him. You may think you sing off-key, and you may. God loves it. i got two little boys who sing their hearts out. Sometimes it's there, sometimes it's somewhere else. But I love to hear it. The Father loves it all the more. Spend time in worship. If you don't know Tyler, get to know him and spend time with him. That man is a worshiper. And as I sit here today, I, I pray, God, make it easier for him to lead you deep into God's presence. But you should be knocking on his door, calling him up. Tyler, when do you worship? Can I go hang out with you? I can bang on a chair with you, Tyler. I, I can't sing worth a lick, but just get to know people who have that deep time with God. And lastly, I just want to read this scripture to you, and I promise, Shane, I'll land. Psalm 84. He says, how lovely. This is the psalmist. This is David pouring out his heart. David had an incredibly deep relationship with God, and David was a mess. David cheated. David sent one of his guys to be killed. David lied. David did all these stupid things. But he understood that God was his Savior. He understood that God was righteous and that he was a sinner. He understood his need for God, and he loved to worship him. And David, after one of his many times of going through difficulties, writes this. He says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. In other words, where you are. God, my soul yearns. It even faints for the courts or the presence of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Friends, we need to long for Him. And guys, we need to let go of the macho thing. If God's got a hold of your heart, let Him get a hold of you. Close your eyes, lift your hands, get on your face. Let God break that pride thing. Because God, you can still be a man and be masculine as God has called you to be and worship God in freedom. We need to separate culture from kingdom. Goes on, he says, even the sparrow, even a little bird has found a home, a swallow, a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house because they are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and not in themselves, who set their hearts on pilgrimage, who set their hearts on chasing after you, God. As they pass through the valley of Baca, or they pass through the valley of dryness and dry places, they make it a place of springs. As we pursue God, even the driest places of our lives will be filled with the, the dew of God's grace. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. If you're tired of going from weakness to weakness, spend time in Him, pursuing Him. And you'll find that even in the worst of places, you're going from strength to strength. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. And He does. Look upon our strength, O God. Look with favor on Your anointed one. And hear this last section. Better is one day in Your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those whose walk is blameless. 
O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Better is one day in his courts, in his presence, than anywhere else. I want to encourage you. I want to implore you. Find out. If you don't know that, find out. Give God room. You give him half an hour in the morning, that half an hour will be the greatest point of your day, and your day will be different. And again, this is not formulaic to say do this and this, but trust God. Press into God. Give God room. Know God at salvation. Amen? Just bow your heads for a second and pray for us. Tyler, you guys going to jump on for one more? Two things out of this. Tyler's going to lead us in a song of worship. And I want to encourage you, no matter how this day, no matter how this meeting began, no matter where your faith is at, when they lead us in this song, I want to encourage you, worship Him. Let go. Close your eyes. Shut off everyone else. It doesn't matter what people around you think. Right now, it's you and God. And this morning, if you don't know Jesus, if what I talked about at the beginning Maybe you don't know Him or you've been religious or any of those things. You don't have a relationship with Him. The good news this morning is Jesus has paid the price for you to have a relationship with God. Your job is to say, yes, Lord, I am a sinner. I fall short of perfection. Please forgive me of my sins. Please wash me clean of my guilt. Please, Lord, take away my condemnation. And Lord, please lead me. Be Lord of my life. I don't want control anymore because I've already made a mess of it. Lead me from this point forward. If that's you this morning, if it's a, a coming home for the first time or a coming back with eyes closed, and I'm going to look because I want to pray for you. If that's you this morning saying yes to God, I want you just to lift your hand up. Eyes are closed. This is between you and I. bonded to you now. Jesus, I pray for them and I pray for this church that this church will be known as a place that has deep and real and authentic relationships with Jesus Christ. That outside of these walls and their workplaces and their schools and their neighborhoods, people will say, I see God in them. I see Jesus with them. They will say, I see that you've been with God. And that, Father, this church, branches would reach out as branches will into the communities and shine the light of Christ, shine the light of time with Jesus into their neighborhoods, into their communities, and salvations will begin to come out of this whole area through the branches of this church. God, encourage them, protect them, strengthen them, guide this church and raise it up, Lord, to be everything that you have called this part of the body of Christ to be. God, bless this church. God, bless them as they transition to two services to reach more souls. Bless them, Lord God, as they walk together in all these things. God, I pray your incredible blessings over this church, over this leadership, over these precious souls. In Jesus' wonderful name.